0: Welcome to Sister Scriptorians, where we are devoted to learning, likening, and lifting others one principle at a time. Episode 113, Who Shall Be His Seed? Welcome back to the Sister Scriptorians podcast. I should probably say welcome back to me. I've taken a few weeks off. It was the end of summer and we went and visited my family, but also I have been gearing up and getting ready for homeschooling. I'm doing the younger three. I'm homeschooling the younger three and then the older two are going to junior high and high school. But you know what? Our district decided to have them do remote learning here at home anyways. (laughs) So they're home three days a week doing remote learning, and they're just at school two days a week. So life has changed here, and it's kind of turned everything upside down, and that's okay. We're just going to take it one day at a time and not get overwhelmed by it. I've been doing a lot of Checking in on myself and, and using the coaching tools that I teach to just be able to do my best in the circumstances that I've been given. That's all we can do, right? Okay, so reading and pondering these next two chapters in the Book of Mormon, chapters 15 and 16 of Mosiah. Truthfully, at first, I couldn't think of what to say. <laughs> what could I say that I haven't already said before about Abinadi's words? So I just kept pondering and I kept rereading them and I knew I was missing something. And so I would sometimes even just walk away from it because I wasn't having any impressions come to my mind. Truthfully, I wasn't feeling it because I just kept thinking I'm missing something. And I share this with you because you can love the scriptures, but there are going to be times that maybe you're just not feeling it. So just be patient with yourself. I've heard too many women say that they get discouraged from reading their scriptures because they're not feeling it. And I think that can happen to us. I, You know, especially, for example, in the circumstances I just shared with you where my life is kind of turned upside down and my mind is going in a million different directions, it kind of takes a moment to be able to settle things down and to refocus. So... My suggestion is, keep trying, carry it around in your heart, anyways, and commit, commit to yourself that you're gonna return back to it. Just give it some space to work its magic in you. So I did just that. I just kept returning, and slowly this question began to crystallize in my mind. What is it about eyes words? that would inspire Alma to change? We haven't talked about Alma yet. What did he hear that made all of the difference for him? I know that's jumping the gun a little bit, but when you, when you listen to Abinadi's words and when you've read the Book of Mormon before, it then becomes, you know, our privilege to be able to know as we're reading Abinadi's words, there's someone in the audience right before him, whose heart is being pricked. At least one heart is softening. He's humbling himself as he's listening to Abinadi's words. He's repenting. Alma's changing his mind in these very moments that we've been reading and discussing. And he's shifting direction. He's turning around. And right now, while Abinadi is speaking, conviction and courage that it's going to take to stand well that's starting to develop the pure gospel of Jesus Christ has the power to activate courage and conviction within us so what did Alma hear that altered his course so dramatically and what the spirit kept bringing back to my mind was this Benedicti was making the gospel personal. When you believe and operate that it's all about a set of laws, that it's the law of Moses that's going to save you. It's performances and its rituals. It's so easy to detach. It all becomes procedural left foot right foot left foot right foot and that reminds me that word procedural that reminds me of one of my sons when he was in fifth grade He had a brand new teacher. She was new to the school even. And her classroom was meticulous. It was meticulously set up and even had a color scheme. Everything was color coordinated with a theme. And even the classroom, as I remember, had a theme, a message. And it was about having a growth mindset. And when I walked into his classroom, I was impressed. And when I met his teacher, I thought she looked adorable, She was so stylish, I remember, and I admired it because that is not one of my strengths. But she was inviting, and I could tell organized, and she was tailored from the top of her head, like her haircut was just like a tailored, every hair was in place, down to her shoes, Anyways, when he got home that day from school and I did the mom thing and I asked him those questions that all of our kids are like, oh, don't ask me. But I did it. I asked, how was your day? Tell me everything about your teacher. All he could say was procedure, procedure, procedure. She had so many procedures. (laughs) I had never heard him use that word before. And the entire day, according to him, was all about going over all of the procedures. He couldn't tell me anything about her. He didn't connect with her. All that made an impression on him was the procedures, the laws, the performances, and the rituals that he needed to follow in order to stay out of trouble in her class. So whether it's about our salvation or our first day in fifth grade with a new teacher, when it's just about the laws, the performances, and the rituals, our connections, they move from our heart up to our heads. They become checklists. And the question about checklists is, first of all, can I remember all of them? And then the second, do I even want to keep them? And how often must I keep them? And what are the requirements? Or you know what? What are the loopholes in my own checklist? What can I get away with and still be considered okay? And it's easy to keep the visual ones, right? The ones that everyone can see you doing and maybe even get some external praise for them. Maybe they're going to even admire you for how well you're doing the checklist. However, checklists, they can be tricky and they can be deceiving because if we lack a certain self-awareness, if we're blinded by our passions, our pride, our thrills, and our excuses, we can explain away ourselves to ourselves. (laughs) We can even fall for our excuses when it comes to getting out of the things that we know are on our checklist. Do you hear me? I mean, how many checklists have I made that I'm like, oh, I don't know. I can put that off till tomorrow. I don't really know if the kitchen floor needs to be cleaned. We're gonna have rice tonight. Not The rice is just gonna be all over the floor anyways, right? Have you, tell me there's other people. Or shredded cheese. I always seem to mop the floor when we're gonna have rice or like tacos with shredded cheese. And then it gets all over the ground. Anyways, <laughs> If we just look at our salvation as a checklist and something of more urgency or more fun or less tiring or whatever arises, it's so easy to put off till tomorrow what you should definitely do today. And again, it's so easy to detach ourselves, our hearts from the checklist, because it doesn't have our heart to begin with. We're looking at it and we're using our mind we give people our hearts. And what Abinadi did was he took the detached and he attached it once more to the source, to a person. He attached the law back to God. But this wasn't an impersonal God that he was attaching them to. This was a God who would walk among men. He taught them that God would carry the burdens, their burdens, in his heart and atone for their transgressions. And he would love them enough to die for them and be satisfied. All he was asking for was their faith that they'll exercise in him. And because God has already done all of this, he has poured out his soul unto death for us to make us right with God and to spare us from the enemy of God who desires to subject us to Him instead of Jesus Christ. Jesus can be called our Father. Jesus Christ is the Son of God, literally because in the flesh His Father was God the Eternal Father and His mother was the mortal woman Mary. And Jesus Christ can also be called our father because he is the creator, the maker, the organizer of heavens and the earth. And though God, the eternal father, he is the father of our spirits. When we choose to spiritually be reborn by accepting the gospel of Jesus Christ in our lives, then we are given to Jesus Christ. Who can then be called our father by us. And he so perfectly lived. And he perfectly aligned himself with God. To God the eternal father. That he is the perfect representation of him. They are of one mind. The son. Imagine. Look at it. Picture it in your mind. The son carrying out the father's plan. As if the father did so himself. This is who we have the opportunity to attach ourselves to, to belong to, to be the children of. And because of the Savior's obedience, the bands of death were broken. And God, the Eternal Father, gave His Son, Jesus Christ, power then to make intercessions on our behalf, on the behalf of the children of men. And the crazy thing is, he totally will for those who will hearken unto his voice. For you. He'll do this for you. And he'll do this for me. Wherever we live, whatever we've done, however we look, or whatever our circumstances have been. If you hearken unto his voice, he will intercede for you. Such a being is almost impossible for us to comprehend. Us who have imperfect examples all around us. I mean, we can try and take the best parts of those around us and we can piece them together and put these attributes together to somehow visualize and conceptualize Jesus Christ for who he is. And you better believe, you better believe that Satan has a hand in keeping the Savior's perfect character out of our sights and out of our realm of understanding. Remember that. But the truth is as simple as the scripture in chapter 15, verse 9. Having ascended into heaven, having the bowels of mercy, being filled with compassion towards the children of men standing betwixt the bands of death taking upon himself their iniquity and their transgressions having redeemed them and satisfied the demands of justice that is what the savior's personal experience here on earth gave him bowels of mercy and being filled with compassion for us He isn't disgusted by us. He isn't repelled by our weakness. He didn't think himself better than us and move away from us, muttering to himself, Get your act together. No. This very personal Jesus reacted in quite the opposite way with mercy, treating us better than we deserve, with compassion. And ready to redeem us, to make us whole, to fix us, to heal us, if we hearken to him. And when you consider that, keeping the law that he's given us, well, it's our lifeline. It becomes our privilege. And you know what else is your privilege? When Abinadi had quoted Isaiah 53, the question was asked, Who shall declare his generation? Or in other words, who will carry on his work? Who will continue to carry and declare his message and give others the glimpse of who Jesus Christ is? Who will show others the mercy and compassion that Jesus himself extends to them if they will listen to him? Your covenants put you on the path. And that is the path, the plan that Abinadi is revealing to Noah's court. He revealed God's plan and he showed them where they were upon it. Were they going to declare his generation? Will they be his seed? Remember, when we are spiritually born again, Jesus becomes our Father. We are given to him by Elohim. How beautiful to be so personally connected. To this marvelous being. And those who are his seed are those who have heard the words of the prophets. And believed that the Lord would redeem his people. And have looked forward to that day for a remission of their sins. You, you are his seed. So do you see what a Benedite did? He connected the disconnected. He attached the detached. He took checklists and duties and he turned them into our acts of devotion and love for our Savior, our Redeemer, our Lord Jesus Christ. And Abinadi brings it back around to the priest's original question. These, the seed of Christ, are who have published peace who have brought good tidings of good, who have published salvation and said unto Zion, thy God reigneth. How many times in your speech, when you are teaching your children, when you are testifying to the sisters you minister to, when you're speaking at lunch among friends, when you are bearing testimony at church, are you not being his seed? And declaring peace and good tidings and publishing salvation and saying, thy God reigneth. And what will these glad tidings be? They will be redemption. They will be the promise of resurrection. But what does that mean? Well, it depends on you. If your words are good here in mortality, it means resurrected to an endless life and to endless happiness. Because death was swallowed up in Christ. He is that light that will never go out, that can never be darkened, and he provides life that is endless, that there can be no more death. However, if your works are evil, there is endless as well. Endless damnation. For if you are not the seed of Jesus Christ, ye are the seed of the devil. Have you considered the comfort that the knowledge of this doctrine gives you. When our loved ones leave mortality, our sadness can be because of our temporary separation and our days ahead without them. But it doesn't need to be because we fear they're lost and they're no more. The promise of peace is out there because of Jesus Christ. The peace that promises that we can be raised to dwell with God be redeemed by him, and to receive eternal life. And with that in mind, we finish the priest's question to Abinadi. Oh, how beautiful upon the mountains were their feet. And again, how beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of those who are publishing peace. No wonder the watchmen shall lift up their voice. With a voice together shall they sing, for they shall see eye to eye. When the Lord shall bring again Zion, for Jesus Christ will come to comfort and to redeem us. This is better news than what any law could possibly have the power to give us. So, Sister Scriptorians, your learn, like it, and lift moment. As your personal life coach, I ask you to notice how much you're using checklists, No matter how much good those checklists contain, notice how they overwhelm you and how they bog you down and how they detach you. But as soon as you consider what you are willing to do because of your love of Jesus Christ, notice how your capacity changes. You're able to do more and you're able to plug into Him. They become your acts of devotion and love. And not just your duties of things to check off. Because you fear what will happen if you don't. When you stop being disconnected and you connect to him. And this can go for Jesus. And this can go for you and your loved ones. When you have things on your checklist or goals on your checklist, do it because you love you. Make dinner for your family because you're connecting to your family. Read your scriptures, not because it's on your checklist, but because you want to love Jesus. The carnal part of us that is impatient and, I don't know, mine is temperamental, (laughs) and easily exhausted and overwhelmed, the carnal part of us is defeated the moment that we truly ask ourselves, what do we truly desire? Every child of God immediately taps into their best selves when they tap in to Jesus Christ. So what are your true desires? Not the carnal ones that distract you, but your genuine, most sincere desire. Maybe you don't know. Take a moment, put your hand on your heart, close your eyes, take a breath, and think about, what do I desire? And when you identify those desires, ask yourself, Am I calling upon the Lord about these desires? Am I inviting him in and asking him to walk with me and to help me? Do I see his arms of mercy extended towards me, working for me? Even when you're a puddle on the ground, (laughs) he is there patiently giving you space. Just like he's there when... You are fulfilling your potential and beyond. He's there. So ask yourself Am I willing to depart from my iniquities, even the favorite ones? (laughs) Are you willing to give them up in order to tap into Him? Am I willing to repent? Am I willing to change my mind, to change my direction, to change my breath, the words and the thoughts that come out of my mouth? Because imagine, imagine what he could do for you. You're a seed. You've been given to him because you chose him. Because his plan is great and he's ready to save you. With that in mind, what would you speak? What are your desires? Take a moment and think about that. This week's Ponder Prompt is designed to help you answer the questions inspired by Mosiah chapter 16, verse 12. Aligning our will with His, just like He did with fathers, will enable Him to make intercession for you. You are His seed. You have been given to Him, and He plans to take such good care of you with His mercy and His compassion that He has personally developed just for you.